0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. For all of visitors here, you're, you've come for family, friends, and they certainly appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you being here. And all that that means, we might do our services a bit different to what you're used to. Uh, You know, God is just uh, creative and all across the world, He just uh, has uh, church services that represent His creativity and His colour and the brilliance of God. He's not limited to one style or one colour or one culture and uh, this is just us, this is our culture, we're glad you're here today and uh, we're pretty relaxed in our culture, we want you to relax and enjoy it but also encounter God because we don't we don't come to church and we don't do church, we are the church as we come together, and, uh, and for us, we believe, you know, he said in Ephesians 2 that we are living stones built together for a house of God, and, uh, and so we're glad you're here with us today, and we'd say relax, just get whatever God has for you. Uh, you might have thought, I oh, know I'm just here to support them, I hate to trick you, but you're also here for God to support you, Right? It isn't just about what you're going to do but it can also be about what you receive today and I'd encourage you to have a posture of receiving. Don't switch off, don't go into social media. I'm looking for the first creative person in the world who will will create the block to social media and buildings Um, because I think it's a tragedy, people are so locked into that that they miss so many good things in life and if you lock into that you're going to miss something of God today. And uh, it's just interesting, Janet and I will go out to dinner and we'll watch a young couple sitting there and, uh, and within 20 seconds, their face is in the device and they're not talking to each other. I love the commercial that says, we're always connecting but never connected. And so, get connected today. So, uh, even this morning, I opened up a piece of news and it said, the world has still not yet gotten used to what to do with these things because they're still new to us and unfortunately they're so new, addiction is rampant. Don't be addicted. Anything that causes you to be addicted is not good for you like that. So anyway, I'm not going to preach on that, am I? I already ran Nate off, so okay. Hey, we're glad you're here because we're in a series on the Holy Spirit leading up to Pentecost in two uh, two weeks. Pentecost was that time in history where the church was born, and born by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, and the church around the world will celebrate that in two weeks, uh, which is awesome. Even the Savior came into the world by a process of the Holy Spirit into Mary. And so the church came into the world years later as a process of the Holy Spirit. So we're leading up to that and doing a lot of things around the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, If you ever want to kind of get on my bad side, call the Holy Spirit it. He is the third person of God. I bet you never call your spouse it. Hey, it, get me a cup of coffee. I tried that once, I got coffee nice and hot all over me, so yeah, it works, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit is the person of God, the third person of God, and uh, the Bible actually says He is worshipped, He is honored, He speaks to us, He leads us to know what the Father wants to do and say, and so He's going to do that today. And One of the great things that the Holy Spirit does is the ministry of freedom. And Freedom has been our signature series since 1997. I was sitting in the old, dilapidated, demantle, uh, uh, dem, dis, what are they called? Demantables. I was going to call them dismantle because that's what I did with them. Okay. And I'm sitting there on a uh, Saturday morning and I don't have a sermon for Sunday. That's a bad day when you're not getting a sermon for the next day. I felt like calling in sick. The only problem was I was the pastor and couldn't. And I'm just sitting there going, God what am I supposed to do it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me quickly and said this profound thing so profound it stunned me he said lift the carpet and look underneath and I literally went what the and he said lift the carpet and look underneath and I said what does that mean and he said the church has a soul a personality, a culture a way of doing things just like you do there is rubbish in the soul of my church if you'll clean it out I'll build my church And on that next Sunday, I stood up and said, great news, church. We're starting freedom. You remember this, Karina? You were there. We're starting freedom in Christ. And they're going, what's that? And I said, I don't know. But we're going to find out together. And we've been on that journey ever since. And it's been our our signature series for years. We do it every year. Where the Holy Spirit has moved and just magnificently, wonderfully set people free, the church free. And it's not just happened at Victory, it's happened in churches, it's happened, see Dave and Carrie up there, it's happened at YWAM, DTS as we've taught at conferences and other nations, not because we found a formula, but because we experience an encounter with the Spirit of God that set us free. And so it's, it's, it's been amazing to see people set free from addictions and depression and strongholds and it's just a magnificent work of the Spirit that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, you might want to take it and, and uh, open it there and stay in chapter 3. I'm going to kind of go up and down the chapter and just picking bits and pieces. I do not have time to, uh, to do justice to the whole chapter. I picked up a book the other day and started reading it and it's like 400 pages thick going, this is a complex text. And I thought, right, how am I going to do that on Sunday? Not possible. We've got 20 minutes, so don't worry about that. But I'm going, to, I'm going to pick the pieces out of there that bring us into that place to know that God is doing something powerful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start reading at verse 17. And we've been doing this every year since 1997. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever Where is Nate? I'm going to honor him. I'm using the New Learners translation. Where are you? where is he? Oh, you're up there in the booth. What are you doing up there? The Jets game's over. All right. Sorry, Nate, this is for you. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, what in the world is he talking about veil? Only brides wear veils. No, not true. He's talking about there's this covering over your heart and your mind that prevents you from seeing and knowing God. And he's saying, it's got to get removed. And those who have had it removed can see and reflect the glory of God only one person saw that regularly and that was Moses and he says and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image now look before we unpack that a little bit it's important to understand the context here because the context it really is king but then how does that apply to us The context is in the day and age, Paul is writing to a church that he founded. They're like his children, his spiritual children. So he is writing to this church, and one of the reasons why he's having to write is to defend his own ministry. It's like a parent having to defend themselves to their children, because their children have turned against them. That's a horrible day if that ever happens. It's, it's, it's not good, and they're belittling him, they're just discrediting Paul for his ministry for a number of reasons, and, and it's the very city where he pioneered the work of God, so he has, to, he has to back up a little bit and go, hang on a minute, let me just tell you about who I am and why I do this and why I did it among you, and he has to defend his own ministry. and In doing this, he's showing the new covenant as, contra- as contrasted with his ministry under the old covenant. You need to keep that in perspective. New, old. And he's defending that. And there's both a contrast and a superiority as you look at the new and the old, or the old and the new. And that's what we're going to do just a little bit, just to see this contrast and how it comes in to apply today. So let's go up to verse or yeah, go up to verse seven, if you got your Bible open, Second Corinthians three, verse seven. Paul writes and says this in verse seven The old way with laws etched in stone. You know, Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. I remember preaching one day and I said, he came down the mountain with 12 commandments and people are going, uh oh, what's the two we don't know about? Anyway, one of those moments, brain fluff. So, he comes down with the 10 commandments. Paul says, that led to death. Interesting. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. So he gets in the presence of God and all of a sudden, boom, the glory of God gets on his face and the people are going, oh, oh, we don't want to see that. But then Moses puts a veil over his face because that glory is not remaining, it is fading. And he doesn't want the people to see the glory of God departing like that, or the reflection of the glory of God departing like that, so he covers it. And it says, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? Verse 10. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Key. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? So what's he saying? Sounds like he's going back and forth. In a nutshell, he's saying this, the old covenant, by means of the commandments, brought death. It actually announced that you're going to die, you're condemned, you can never live up to this, you're gone, you're toast. But the ministry of the new covenant, by means of the Spirit, brought forgiveness and freedom, which is awesome. The old, like a candle before the sun, paled and passed away, the new intensifies and lasts forever. Big difference. Big contrast, and you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of today where people, you talk to them about things like this, or the dedications of children, or, or a, a service, come come, see what our church does. It reminds me of people trying to gain acceptance before God through the old ways of religion. They still got religion down in them, and so that when you invite them or you talk to them about God, they say things like, well, we're religious. We're good people, we're not as bad as some of these other people. We attend church at special occasions and we've even participated, our kids have been done. I get asked, do you do kids? What do you mean do you do kids? Our kids have been done. We've done the religious ceremonies, they think that's the way to God. By the way, not one of the families who had their children dedicated today are depending on that dedication to make themselves or their children right with God. That's not why they're here. They did it because they are already in right standing with God. That's why they did it. But the sad thing is that so many people today, you talk to them, uh, so many people think that by being religious like these guys, hey, we read the Old Testament, we're okay with God, and, Mo- and, and, and we understand Moses, but Paul is saying it's not real because you've got a veil over you. You don't even understand what it means. You can't see it. You can't understand it. It doesn't get inside you, and it's just reading. You can read the words and never know what it means. What a sad thing that people can read this and never understand, or mean, or understand what it's really about. This is a love letter from God to humanity. Saying, no matter what you've done, I have made a way back home. And that's, that's, in essence, what the 66 books keep leading to. And it's just a sad thing that when people say, well, I'm going to come to know God personally through religious ceremonies or whatever. Listen, true hope only comes by a relationship with God that's through this new and living way. That's the only way it can happen. And Paul said it's superior, it's greater. And he's saying that I've got total confidence and it gives me boldness. What happens is I've got confidence and I've got boldness in this new and living way. And in verse 4, interesting. Let's go to that. Verse 4, we skip up a little bit higher. Paul says, the very first words that come out of his mouth when he's talking about his confidence, such confidence. Stop. Interesting, that's a, that's a noun, not a verb. He says, such confidence. The verb form of that noun, confidence, literally means to be fully persuaded to be convinced to be convinced to such a place that you will believe someone and trust them emphatically got it i I totally trust in god on this issue of the new covenant the new way he uses a verb in philippians 1 6 when he says i am totally persuaded and confident in god that the work he began in you he will complete until jesus comes such is paul's confidence this is important Interesting, often when people rely on religion, they don't have the confidence that they're okay, everything's good, God is with us. It's, well, maybe, I might make it. There's no assurance in that. And Paul is saying, hang on a minute, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. He said, when I get this confidence through the Son of God, I can approach God, not fearfully, not with timidity, but I can approach God with confidence. We come before God's throne with boldness, right? And he said, I've got this. Why? Because it's through Jesus, through the new and living way, not through some religious ceremony. It doesn't matter, I mean, I I only use this title, I technically have the title reverend, I only use that at weddings, sign it on their certificate so they can feel like they're really married or something, I don't know. Um, It's not the title that gives you entrance to God. It's not my position that makes the way open for you to commune with God. You don't have to go through me or any other human being. You can have direct access to God, stand in His presence with confidence because you have entered through this new way, not the old way. Okay, so let's jump to verse 12, talks about confidence again. Since, I I should, they should change that instead of NLT. Oh yeah, Nate's Living Translation, got it. Okay, (laughs) verse 12. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Paul is saying, listen, if you go back and you started at the beginning of the chapter where they're discrediting him and going, who are you? I mean, what good is your ministry? What they say historically, Paul was this short, bald-headed, half-blind Jewish guy. And he didn't even speak well. He was a monotone. He, he, his preaching was so boring that a guy fell out of a window and broke his neck and died because the sermon was going too long. So typical Paul, he goes outside, down to street level, lays on the guy's body, raises him from the dead and says, come back up, I've got to finish the sermon. I'm short, I'm not bald, and hopefully not boring. What do you mean, come on? Okay, I'm trying. But here's the deal. Paul goes back to the beginning of this chapter and you know what he says? The proof of whether my ministry is real and the proof of whether it's effective is you. You are our letters, not written on stone, but written on hearts by the Spirit of the living God. The impact of his ministry upon people who never knew anything about Jesus Christ where their lives radically changed. The very ones who are criticizing him now going, you're not really that good of a preacher, are the very ones he says, you're the proof that my ministry is real. And in this, I have confidence. You know, it's, it's when someone tries to discredit you, it knocks your confidence around, doesn't it? I mean, I've I've been doing this now for over 37 years, and I have had people stand nose to nose and say, who do you think you are? You're you're a nobody. I don't even like what you're preaching about. And I mean, literally challenge what I do and who I am. And I'm telling you, man, it rocks you. You go, oh, jeez, God, if I was doing the right thing, this shouldn't happen. And when you lose your confidence, you become reluctant. I'm not going to step out and try to do anything brave. I'm I feel like I've been rocked, I've been shaken, I'm, I'm timid. And even though Paul had opponents who were trying to oppose him and trying to put his ministry under a cloud, he maintained his confidence. How? How did he do this? Well, let's drop down to verse 5. Here's what he says in chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are competent. The opposite of competency is incompetency. He said, you're claiming that I am incompetent to do what I'm doing. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not really competent in anything about myself. I know I don't, I'm, not, I'm nothing to look at, and I don't sound that great, and I speak nasally, and whatever. And, and they even said, golly, this guy, Paul, confuses you when he talks. And he said, I, I'm not claiming any kind of special degrees, ability... Anything like that, titles, but. I like that three-letter word, but. And anytime people come to discredit you and say, who do you think you are, Dave Stevenson? Who do you think you are trying to train all these young people? Where are your credentials? There's a but. And the but says, but God. Our confidence comes from God. The only thing I can show you that gives me the right and the ability to do this is God himself. I love this next phrase. He has made us competent. I've spent, I don't know, six years in tertiary study for this. I think six, maybe a little bit more. That didn't qualify me. It just made me a smarter sinner. Um, I, I got ordained, and I do have the title reverend. Somebody laid hands on me and said, we recognize in you that this is what you're meant to do with your life. That didn't qualify me. As a matter of fact, the only reason they laid hands on me is because they felt God already qualified me. Ability to stand in front of a crowd, which is totally not me. I'm, I'm by nature, an introvert. Um, I, I really loved it at Presence Conference when Erwin McManus said, I, I'm an introvert. I went, yes! I'm not the only one! I'm not lost! I'm not weird! This is of God! Anyway, this is not naturally me. Um, it's, it's no gifting or anything like that I, I remember when I stepped out for months and thought you know w- this is when my confidence took a battering and I thought maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm not good enough I'm not qualified I'm not worthy even though I've been doing it for years I've made mistakes I've stuffed up in places maybe God's got somebody better and all of that it was at the end of that journey walking that through where God definitely spoke into my world and said I've qualified you. I have called you worthy. That I, Right before I came back, he gave me this phrase, it's in my phone, there I go, it's in my phone, and it says this, it starts with a phrase, this I know. It's like God spoke to me in my moments of aloneness, and he said, I want to tell you what I say over you, not what somebody else says over you. And, I, and out of God speaking to me, several phrases came, but the first two were the most important, and the first was the most important. This I know that I am called and chosen to be a child of God and that He has favoured me by His grace to be called His son. This I know. The second one that came that was powerful, this I know, that my Father has called me to this ministry and He has made me competent as a minister of His grace. This I know. Now, it's, it's, it's not, um, I mean, all the education and stuff, is it is not... I mean, it's, worth, it's valuable. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not invaluable. It's valuable. Um, and all of that, and the gifting, it's good to have gifting. It's a good thing I'm not monotone and you're not bored, I can tell. Um, and all that's good, but really when it comes down to it is, what has God made me to be? What has God made you to be? That's where you get your confidence. Because he says, he has made us, verse 6, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Father has qualified you to bring life, and Paul knew that his confidence was through the power of the Spirit at work, not his own charisma or his own giftedness as a leader. That's not it. I'm a little bit disturbed today that the crowds are following the trends, the personalities, the show, the performance. It really bothers me. Now, I think we ought to, we ought to give God our, our best when we do something like this. But somebody's got to stand up and say, when does that turn into performance? When does following a personality become more important than walking in the Spirit? I, and I know I'm sounding old and old-fashioned when I say that, but Paul didn't get his confidence by his charisma or his, his giftedness or a team around him who made everything specky. He didn't perform to get the attention of people. Um, Neither did he strive for results. His confidence was in the work of the Spirit in and through him to bring freedom. You You remember what he said? I didn't come to bring wise and persuasive words in his first letter to this church. If anybody could really show them wisdom, it was Paul. But he said, that's not what I depend on. I don't depend on my pedigree to bring you to God, but I depend on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You know, the thing is this, guys. Freedom does away with the pressure to perform. Let that soak in for a minute. When the Holy Spirit sets you free, you don't have to perform to be competent. I love what R.T. Kendall said, the greatest freedom is having nothing to prove. So many of you have been striving, performing, trying to prove that you, you really are worth being called a child of God. You really are qualified to do this thing because look at my results. And you're trying to prove yourself. Get free today. Get free today. You know, trying to prove yourself is like the old West gunfighter mentality. One day there's going to be a faster gunfighter. And they're going to drop you like a bad habit. You know, let it go. Let it go. It's not about proving yourself as opposed to somebody else being proved. It's about the Father making you competent. And you know, there have been times over the years where I felt like I had to prove that I was capable of doing this thing. Who am I? I'm just a, just a kid from Alabama from a broken home who really should have been down there not amounting to anything. Who am I to do this? I don't have the pedigree of some of these others that are so high up there and so capable. I have felt the pressure of having to succeed or to get the results to make something happen. And I've felt that, you know. And when I succumb to that, let me tell you what happens. The Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. He's not in that stuff. Because he said, you just took over. You just locked me out. Listen, in this day and age, that kind of pressure also gets on the church. Why don't you like the church down the road? Why don't you have a building like them? Why don't you have a sound system like them? Why don't you have this like them? Why don't you do that like them? Stop comparing yourself. It's Him who makes us competent. Listen, we need a prophetic voice to remind us. And I just need to be a little bit strong here for a minute. So, visitors, just relax. But we need a prophetic voice in this day. Prophecy is not just foretelling the future. Prophecy is also forthtelling what needs to happen today. Somebody needs to stand up and say, hey, enough. Because, listen, somebody needs to remind us, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I can't make anybody follow Christ. I can't make you grow up. I can't change the world. But the Holy Spirit can. I I was reading that book and there was a prophetic voice, now, this is strong, bear with it. Sometimes we need strength, sometimes you come to church and you get the poofy stuff, just get off it, here we go, that's not me, you know that's not me, I'd rather be punched than kissed, and don't try it because I punch back, here we go, just ask, anyway, listen to this prophetic voice. As children of the entertainment age, our culturally conditioned reflex is to make creating right environments for hearing the gospel our priority, instead of relying first and foremost on the power of the Spirit to call people to repentance. Our tendency is to concentrate on working angles instead of relying on Christ to work. Mm. Rather than viewing the pastor as a mediator of the Spirit in conjunction with the proclamation of the Word, the minister becomes a professional whose job it is to manage the corporate life of the congregation and oversee the creation of meaningful worship events. Whoa. I'll tell you, that spoke to me on Friday when I read that and went, yes. We need to give God our best and present God with our best, but when our highest priority becomes trying to prove to you that we can do this well, we have lost the plot. You just need to hear me on that. And then I had another, I read another prophetic voice and this is actually even stronger. This said, when it moves like this, there's danger because he called it practical atheism. Whoa. It's an atheism that reduces the church to nothing more than the services it offers or the good feelings the minister can generate. Hello. God, how much of my ministry has done that? And not relied on your spirit forgive me so let's go back to the verses we started with 2nd Corinthians 3 17 for the Lord is the spirit wherever the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom so all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image you know what God has destined for us the fullness of freedom, absolute fullness of freedom, where we are confident in this work of the Spirit that we have seen time and time again where so many lives are getting transformed and changed that we actually come every Sunday expecting the Spirit of God to to do even greater work of freedom. Even in our own lives, yeah, she over there needs it, God, just free her today. Just look in the mirror. You know what the Bible says? The word there, if you read it, one word says looking as in a mirror. The other word says reflecting like a mirror. It's actually both of those. You can't reflect what you don't look at. The question is, what mirror are you looking in? Are you looking in the mirror that compares you to somebody else or are you looking in the mirror of his word that shows you the son of God and says, that's what I'm making you like. Keep looking at it don't look to the right or the left and say that's my standard look at that because if you'll remember back in 2014 when I was getting ready to preach this all of a sudden the revelation dawned on me oh my goodness God doesn't just want to set us free from something he wants to set us free to something it's not just getting rid of rubbish it's becoming what is best listen so here it is But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. So here's what happens. We get saved. Freedom comes into our world. We get free from the curse and the penalty of sin. Bang. So we start living in the presence of the Holy Spirit and he starts changing us, transforming inside out as we look in the word of God. And then it leads not just to being changed from something, but we become like him. Now, let me give you an example I did years ago. In the North American autumn, which they call fall, I was doing my devotions in 1976 and fairly relatively new Christian. And this is where I was just reading out of Ephesians. I think Todd said he got something out of Ephesians today. Maybe it was me. It was meant to be Todd. But it actually said, Forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. All of a sudden, God spoke to me just immediately and said, how can you talk to others about forgiveness when you hate your father? Ooh, that hurt. The Holy Spirit isn't there just to comfort us, he's there sometimes to uh, irritate us. That hurt. I knew what I had to do, I had to deal with that hurt and get that, that hate and get free from hating my dad because of all the history. I got free, I got gloriously set free from that, but it was not until, now that's 1976, I don't know why it took so long. Uh, Maybe I'm hard-headed. I don't know. Um, But in 2014, as I'm reading this verse, from glory to glory, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know how back then I talked about being free from hate and hating your father? And I went, yeah, cool. He said, let's go the next step. I now want to take you not only from hate, but to loving him like Jesus loves him now my immediate response wasn't good my immediate response was not nah, impossible i can't do this and he said great but i can through you if you'll just surrender that started i actually shared that with my dad in 2014 i went to see him in new orleans and shared that with him and something broke our relationship has changed and it just gets better every year And we're talking decades four four decades of alienation and dislike and all that. I didn't just get free. Oh, I'm personally free. I'm not eaten up by hate. But no, I'm now free to learn to love him like Jesus would love him. So here's the deal. What part of you is God talking to today saying, you know how you got free from? Sweet. You ready to go the next step? Are you ready to get free too? Because you got to surrender to get there. You got to get in the Word and let the Holy Spirit start showing you, that's what it is. Because here's the deal, guys. The fullness of freedom is found in what we become, not what we get rid of. Did you get that? The fullness of freedom is found in what we become, not what we get rid of. So the deal is this, the goal of freedom is not freedom, right? If you're reading the Bible, the goal of freedom is to be like Him. Don't stop at just getting free from, keep progressing to. The fullness of freedom is found in what we become. But not only what we become, listen, it's also in what we are able to do, what's released in us and through us. Freedom begets freedom. Your freedom isn't just for you. My freedom to love my dad wasn't just for me. My freedom was also to love him for him so he could experience the love of God. Your freedom isn't just for you. You know, when Jesus said, and I've got to really wrap this up, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed. You know what that word means? Most people think it means feelings in a meeting. God is here. I just felt the anointing. No, it's far more than that. Anointing literally means chosen by God and empowered by God for a thing that God wants you to do. That's what anointing is. The Holy Spirit has anointed me because he has has anointed me to set free those who are oppressed. Yeah, that's Jesus. Hang on, hang on. What we've been talking about for weeks? What did Jesus say? You know the works I've been doing? You're going to do those. What works has he been doing? Setting the captives free. Your freedom isn't just for you to be free. Your freedom is to help others be free we have a city out there we have a nation out there we have a world out there that needs to be free and needs to know the love of god so what happens is this we get delivered we get free from the curse and the penalty of our sin the holy spirit works and transforms us changes us to be like him but that's not the end we get activated by his anointing to do what he would do freedom thanks for joining us for the c3 victory podcast we would love to see you at one of our services To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.